you have reached the voicemail box of Game Thing Season 5 Code. You have 22 new messages. Tuesday, the 9th of May, at 12.42 p.m. Hey, this is a message for uh, Pippin Bar. This is David Walensky. This is regarding our uh, ongoing season of um, game thing, playing games, exploring coding, and computational thinking. Um, I think you know that. I mean, we've been doing this for a while. I just don't know if you're getting these messages and just have to cross my fingers, take it on faith that you do, um, that you are. So um, if you are, then that means you also know um, and have been learning alongside me that a lot of these games are either um, influenced by Zachtronics games generally or Hacknet specifically. They're both sort of two uh, hubs that have influenced a lot of other games. And when we started on this... um, you know, I said I was not particularly interested in educational games. And, all right, you're going to have to follow me a little bit to get to what I'm picking now. Um, I did a lot of digging and found there was this one game about programming from 1984, uh, which looked strictly educational, but doing further digging, I found in some ways this other game, which we are not playing now, uh, seemingly influenced another game that came out about a decade later in Japan, and then a little bit later after that in the U.S. So this is a bit of a turnaround in the cul-de-sac we find ourselves uh, in now along this season. Um, so I'm hoping we can we can pull out of where we are, find other lanes to drive along. Um, car metaphor, you understand it. So I am picking Carnage Heart, which came to the Sony PlayStation in Japan in 1995, and the United States in 1997 it was developed by Art Dink, published worldwide by Sony Computer Entertainment. And aside from it having maybe one of the best titles I've ever seen for a video game, Carnage Heart is a game about robots. Uh, Max, here, listen to this. Carnage Heart is a strategy game where you, the player, are the commander of the World Federation forces. Your mission is to capture the enemy bases by directing mechanized weapon units, known as overkill engines. There has never been a strategy game as deep and challenging as Carnage Heart. Not only can you design the hardware of the overkill engines, you can also design the software programming that determines how an overkill engine will behave in combat. Which is basically just another way of saying, hey, this game is a hat on a hat, but it fits our purposes perfectly. Um, One thing to note, you don't control the mechs directly. You can program them with some sort of flow diagram system. I don't know, this should be fairly complex. The clip I just played is from a 25-minute tutorial. The game came with a 58-page strategy guide, which I believe is the longest manual of any of these games. Will this be too much for us? Perhaps. Will it be painful? Maybe. Is it a game about programming? Yup. Tuesday, the 9th of May, at 8.19pm. Hey David, it's Pippin. Uh, Carnage Heart. Not a game I have ever heard of. Uh, I do like a PlayStation-era video game. It was a formative time for me, uh, because the PlayStation was the first console I ever owned, um, and indeed purchased for myself with, (laughs) you know, whatever, paper route 
kind of uh, level financing. And this game looks extremely complex. Definitely looks like a game I would not have chosen to play back then, um, nor would I have chosen to play it now, except that here we are. Um, so I spent 25 minutes watching the mission briefing that comes with the game. It's an extensive video that essentially walks you through the, the different levels of the user interface. Um, the game boils down to make some mechs, uh, which I, I should say are called overkill engines in this game. Maybe a copyright dispute, I don't know. Uh, but you make these OKEs, um, you put them in units, you deploy them on a planet, they try and kill other OKEs, you try and capture bases, repeat. Um, and the innovation being that we will be programming the OKEs ourselves. So we've got this kind of programming activity situated inside basically an entire game of mech warfare. And one of the things, so one of the things I think is interesting, one of the things I think is interesting is why am I the commander of an entire army programming mechs? But I'll put that aside. One of the things I think is going to be interesting is just how is the programming kind of related to and situated in all of these contexts that are involved in such a complex game, like this military strategy, uh, economic conditions, and then, you know, the literal conditions on the ground of the battlefield, the spaces, uh, the ways the other mechs do stuff to you, um, et cetera, et cetera. seems like a really complex situation to program for, which I think is intriguing, very open-ended. Um, and one of the other things I think about when I watch the footage is you see a bunch of mechs going into battle and kind of getting blown, just blown onto their asses repeatedly. And surprising to me was I found that really kind of poignant and sad. And I wonder if I'm going to feel emotionally attached to these strange mechanical children that I send out to war. Uh, I feel like the answer might be yes, but I don't know um, yet. So we'll, we'll see uh, what happens when it happens. So yeah, let's play, um, like I said, main points of curiosity, programming in a giant open-ended uh, warfare context, and will my heartstrings finally twang? Let's see. Wednesday, the 10th of May, at 10.28 a.m. Hey, oh boy, oh, it's David. Glad we got the tug on the carnage heartstrings thing out of the way. So... The tutorial video says the programming is accomplished using a simple-to-use icon-based programming system. For complete instructions on how to program an OKE, please refer to the instruction manual and the programming strategy guide, which both of which, best I can tell, have been lost to time. But the video also mentions, if you wish, you can have an engineer just do all this grunt work for you automatically, uh, both with the software and the hardware, which uh, after fiddling around a little bit this morning, I reluctantly gave over to trying because the best I could do on my maiden voyage was put a bunch of chips in that had a bunch of question marks over them <laughs> because I was not completing the circuits properly or giving instructions to the Mac. Uh, the game was just as confused as I was about what I was trying to do or tell it. But I don't think the programming language is hard per se, but the icons are a little hard to decipher because they aren't labeled, you just see little icons, or you have to sort of click through 
to see how you change the parameters of the associated behavior. So for example, there's a satellite next to a tiny pyramid, which means if an obstacle is, you can set the distance, comma, diverge. There's also a satellite with three trickling lines. <laughs> uh, the associated behavior there is if projectile is in, uh, you can set the distance, comma, diverge. Uh, and there's rules like this for every component you can add, plus defensive maneuvers and offensive maneuvers. So it isn't, I think, hard per se. I think it's just a lot about trying to put in the time to patiently memorize or familiarize yourself with what this all means. So I finally gave over to having your nameless employee just auto-set things, which I thought would be a better teacher rather than my repeated strikes at just exploring extremes of, uh, you know, setting parameters very, very broadly to pick up on what it does. I should say, you know, you have a grid where 40 different chips can be linked together to represent uh, the OKE CPU or AI. So, you know, that's part of the challenge is just the rote memorization. There's a challenge in trying to predict what might happen on the battlefield and also just orchestrating all these chips across a battle unit with multiple OKEs. Um, for what it's worth, the hardware I selected when I finally got it in, underweight, seemed to survive just fine with an auto-dictated chipset. Um, I had 90 seconds without incident, but it also felt like it was just jumping around randomly. When I let the computer select both hardware and software, it was dead in a test simulation in 10 seconds. <laughs> uh, but you're right, you know, there's something poignant or existential about this, you know, are we our programming or something else? Nothing else, it seems to be about how automation actually creates a lot of labor. Bye. Wednesday, the 10th of May, at 11.35 a.m. Wednesday, the 10th of May, at 11.54 a.m. Hello, Generalissimo Walensky. It is Generalissimo Bar calling to talk about Carnage Heart, which I have played some more of. Uh, got my controller working, started navigating the, the menus of the game. Actually, will say that the mission briefing video that we both watched was really helpful in situating the user interface. I found it a lot easier to, to kind of proceed with its assistance. And yet, once you get to the programming bit, having made some kind of hardware setup, um, I just made like a hardware setup that it accepted. I didn't worry too much about what the actual composition was. You don't even have that many options in the beginning, at least. But yeah, once you get to the programming, it's pretty overwhelming, in part because the symbols on the little chips that you use to connect together to tell the mech, the overkill engine, what to do. The symbols are a little ambiguous at times. I think that they're good enough, and I think that as you practice using the language, they'll be very readable. But one thing about them, as you mentioned, is they do have parameters associated with them that are not displayed on the basic chip, so you do have to go in and specifically edit them to see really important settings. Um, so, you know, for instance, if you have a detect enemy chip, um, all you see on the chip is just, well, this is a detect enemy chip, but if you look inside its settings, you'll see which part of the mech's um, sensor will trigger this one. Like, is it only looking forwards? Is it looking left, right? Is it looking all around it? 
what range is that um, sensor operating at? Is it looking far away? Is it looking close, et cetera, et cetera? All of that's uh, kind of hidden away, so that, that does make it a bit challenging. Um, and, I mean, I, like you, turned on the auto option thinking to myself, well, it'll be easier to see an example of a Mac program and to kind of decipher that and, and watch how the Mac behaves. And <laughs> that did not totally seem to be the case. Like, I, I put an auto one in and I started reading it and tracing my way through the flow of behaviors. And they seemed... I mean, I guess they seemed reasonable. They were pretty confusing. Um, it fills the entire chip area with commands, although some of them are kind of just empty commands. So it's a lot of material in the auto. Uh, it wasn't as simple as I guess I was anticipating it being. And it was pretty tricky to, to abstract up from the individual kind of flow of control through chips one by one into some sense of you know, this is a mech that, I don't know, likes to avoid rockets by ducking and then jumps right and retaliates, or, you know, some kind of higher-level description of what's going on, um, which is what you're often aiming for with programming, right, is, yes, it's all very well to be able to type in the individual lines of code, but you really want to have some high-level description of what it is that you're accomplishing that you then break down into those lines of code uh, so that they have some basis in a more human understanding of the problem a.k.a. computational thinking, which we've uh, maybe mentioned once or twice so far. Uh, and then, of course, you can actually run the uh, the program and see what the Mac does. And, I mean, it looked like it was fine. It was doing stuff. It jumped up and down and moved left, moved right, shot rockets at things. Like, I, it was fine, but it just looked like a Mac fighting a Mac battle. And so I wasn't entirely convinced that I understood the connections between the program and the Mac uh, so far beyond the, you know, oh, it died, it didn't die level. So next up, I'm going to build my very own attack Roomba overkill engine. Let's see how that goes. Thursday, the 11th of May, at 1.30 p.m. Hey, Pippin's David. Just wanted to give you a quick call. I've not had a ton of time to spend with uh, rumbling with uh, my carnage heart. As you hear, I'm doing a lot of... <laughs> A lot of rumbling with slack, though, right now. Um, so, I, yeah, I just want to keep our conversation going, such as it is. Uh, one thing I wanted to add is I've noticed that, like, in the test runs of the Macs, they show you this even harder-to-decipher picture-in-picture Christmas tree map of the Macs AI and what slot in the grid is lighting up that corresponds with the behavior that you're seeing. Um... I don't know. There's a lot of, like, this page intentionally left blank uh, so far. It's like with the coding you're supposed to be doing. I mean, in the grid, I guess it's, like, so that you can have one condition hook in with uh, or trigger different reactions. Um, but I don't know. I'll spend more time with it. It's, it's strange and interesting how we both feel like, well, this isn't too hard, but it is hard, but it is complex, but not too complex. I think it's, like, the metaphor I've hit on is uh, figuring this stuff out is a bit like trying to decipher a vanity license plate with no vowels, um, but I'll dive in and spend more and uh, time. I'll have to. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to call you back. But uh, need to know. Sit rep re attack Roomba overkill engine. Let me know. Bye. Thursday, 
the 11th of May at 4.12 p.m. Hey, David. Obviously, you are not at home answering your telephone. Uh, I hope you're out gambling somewhere. I've made three overkill engines now, and essentially just entirely focused on software uh, and just getting, you know, the hardware to work such that it meets the weight requirement, which is uh, sometimes a bit of a puzzle. And as I said, I'm trying to think about them as Roombas in part to kind of detune the galactic warfare angle or maybe even the corporate warfare angle. I'm already forgetting what the mission briefing said was happening. Something to do with mining. Uh, but also just to simplify my expectations of what I might be able to do. So I'm trying to think about, you know, a Roomba going around the room, bumping into things and, and turning. And in this case, it just has a machine gun and lasers and rockets and stuff. And so my first overkill Roomba uh, was able to uh, shoot anything near it and otherwise just walk forwards. And if it was going to bump into something, it would turn right and then try again. Uh, that worked pretty well. Uh, a team of that Roomba defeated a team of some other um, overkill engines. And then Overkill Roomba 2 was the same, but I included the ability to fire off rockets. Um, it didn't actually do any better than the first one. I'm curious about what that means about the nature of rockets. It kind of seemed to just fire all its rockets immediately and then effectively just be the same as the original Roomba, uh, firing lasers at things instead. So that was tricky. And then Overkill Roomba 3 is the same, but it also tries to dodge projectiles. So... If it senses a projectile coming towards it close enough, it jumps uh, to the right. Jump to the right. It's like a, kind of like some kind of barn dance situation. Um, and so, you know, with each uh, successive overkill Roomba, I'm adding complexity. And I'm kind of adding genres or types of situational awareness, like when to fire your gun, when to avoid an obstacle, when to uh, try and avoid a projectile. And I can see, therefore, how you can run out of space on the, the circuit board. Um, Overkill Roomba 3's code kind of goes in this wiggly diagonal line uh, down and to the right on my, on my circuit board. And very noteworthy in all of this is because I'm, you know, I, I, I write the, the code such as it is and then I run it in the test environment and I watch my Roomba kind of, you know, kill the other team. Um, and Overkill Roomba 3, I should say, killed the other team without a single casualty. Uh, but it's very hard to tell what's, what's happening, like what was useful, what wasn't useful. And so one of my big questions moving forward is just, you know, what kind of tools are there and what kind of tools would be useful for sort of discerning what's going on and how you could improve on your program? Because uh, otherwise you're kind of in a vacuum and I'm, I'm not sure how to do better other than to just try something else. Thursday, the 11th of May, at 4.42 p.m. Hey, Pippin, David. Bit of a vacuum. You mean like a Roomba? End of message. I'll play more and I'll get back to you. Bye. Thursday, the 11th of May, at 6.58 p.m. All right, this is David calling again for Pippin. Since I last called, been spending quite a bit of time in Carnage Heart, stethoscope in hand. 
to ear and robotic metal chassis chest. Uh, probably more accurate to say. I <laughs> really have been spending quite a bit of time poking around on game facts because we're playing an older game without a manual. It occurred to me there might be people out there who are sort of laying out like some knowledge on how to approach this. So I owe quite a bit of uh, gratitude to 25 years later now, uh, Arnie Michelson and El Nada who did their best to make some ASCII art and plain text schematics that, I'll admit, after an hour I was unable to reproduce them. A couple reasons for it, but I think the more salient thing is it got through to me that the programming here is less about feeling like you have to anticipate everything and more about wargaming out a bit of how you want to specialize. So prevailing wisdom seems to be set up part of the brain to have the OKE do an initial scan of the battlefield, then give it orders on how to disregard that, focus on patrol, then do evasive and offensive maneuvers. So, you know, it's complicated, we know that. What I sort of was running into and just spending so much time trying to make a build is, I think it's more complicated than we've even hashed out. Like, there's references to future complexity here. I noticed some chips that are about picking up sensors or frequencies out in the field, which is a lot to anticipate or ponder if you haven't actually played uh, you know, yet, or deployed your, your, your bot. So it really forces you to think about how you want to go. Uh, you know, it wouldn't make sense to have like a heavy shotgun if you're planning the thing's brain towards keeping a distance. And I don't know, I just kind of wished I could just pull up ChatGPT and have my digital assistant tell the game's digital assistant what I want. So other than that, I mean, I'm a little reluctant to do some quarter century later Monday morning quarterbacking, but to your point, some stuff I noticed, you can't undo placements of chips that I saw. Uh, even then, you're on a D-pad, so it's kind of clunky. Uh, the grid is small to place stuff. It's 8x8, but you can only see 7x7 seven seven at any time. <laughs> and I saw wider grids open up later. Some of the functions are grayed out, which means that the functionality is like there's there's stuff that we can know about, but we can't learn about yet. Uh, and even like I mentioned before, even if you mess up in the placement, the chip you place is obscured by a giant question mark. So you can't read what you just put down. And then, you know, there's this whole business of you got to program a bunch of them. So onwards we go. Thursday, the 11th of May at 7.30 p.m. Thursday, the 11th of May, at 8.13pm. Hey David. Yep. There's all kinds of stuff about the, you know, old UI that, that does make things harder. I don't think any of it's, uh, you know, it's not rage quittable. It's just a bit tricky to, to lay tiles down. And I do think that, you know, programming is one of those activities where it doesn't matter too much to get slowed down because a lot of the time you need to think significantly before you act and so even a little friction in the interface is almost good for you maybe because you you know you're forced to spend a little bit of extra time with your choices as you <laughs> agonizingly move the cursor with the d-pad uh, to where you want it to be and i like your point about the the different chips it's true there's 
there's a whole bunch of tips, uh, like commands, I guess, that I haven't even explored or looked at yet, uh, because I've been kind of trying to build from the ground up very much and, you know, Roomba-ify this experience. But another way would be to, yeah, look at the sweep of commands available and start thinking about what they imply about the problem space and the possibility space uh, of what these Roombas can do. And that sounds like a, a job for you. Uh, why, don't you, why don't you do a deep dive and give us a bit of a review of the implications of the command set. That would actually be... <laughs> I'm assigning you work, but that would actually be really interesting. Um, the thing that I'm interested to do now is put my Roombas uh, on the real battlefield because I think... Well, I don't know, but, you know, to this point, I've really only been deploying the Roombas in these test scenarios, and I have no idea whether the real game, um, where you're actually trying to, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what we're doing again, but, you know, when you're really trying to, to kill off these other teams, whether it will be really similar to that test case or whether it will be totally different. And, and certainly as the game progresses, as I understand it, there are different um, styles of overkill engines slash Roombas, flying Roombas, tank Roombas, etc., uh, which presumably presumably changes the nature of play. I'm really curious, um, yeah, just to see what stresses get put on a design and how you might have to react by rethinking, rebuilding, but most of all reprogramming your your robot to to cope with new scenarios. So that's that's kind of the direction I think I'll go in. Um, I'm hopeful that my Roombas will at least survive the initial stages of the campaign, but uh, they may not. And then the other thing I'm really thinking about is this question um, in the game of how do you how do you assess, like I said, what's going on uh, when you deploy the robot? You see it fighting, and you see it, you know, you see it jump around, you see it get hit in the in the face with a rocket and fall over, you see it shoot an enemy, you see it walk into a a pole. Um, but there's not as much of the kind of detailed information I'm used to having as a programmer about what's going on under the hood. You know, you pointed out there's this sort of uh, red herring-ish uh, picture of its brain, uh, but that just doesn't tell us anything about what's going on. So I'd like to find out what's going on. Friday, the 12th of May, at 12.49 a.m. For the record, first thing, I, too would like to know what's going on just in general, but more specifically, if we limit our comment, comments, comments and comments to Carnage Heart, yes. I was tempted to say, wait, can you put that question, my homework, <laughs> in layman's? But I decided, to, no, 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 I'll take a crack at it. I've really studied the play, but also like you have not forged onto the battlefield yet. So let me see the implications of the command list. So there's roughly, if I'm counting right, 15 commands in total. They allow the bot to move, jump, duck, fly, if the OKE is a flying type, stop, wait, channel, count, attack, interfere, measure, roll a die for probability, and scan the environment. There's also two commands that feel worth separating. Uh, no action like a pass-through for a signal, and self-destruct, which is self-explanatory. I guess another way to think about it is, obviously these are all about control, but 
ranging from basic moves to more complex maneuvers, communication between units, and environmental scanning, or you can just do nothing. Uh, if you mean in a more philosophical way, which I know you and I always mean, what is a game thing after all? Anyway, I guess it's really about the limitations of programming in creating complex systems, uh, you know, the fact that we aren't directly controlling any of these things also seems to suggest some ethical implications of creating machines capable of violence or destruction, something I think about quite a bit while holding my Xbox 360 controller to play this. The uh, very same piece of real hardware that my country's military uses to pilot drones or UAVs or unmanned aerial vehicle. Not very unmanned, though, is it? But what I really find fascinating about all this is just the additional challenge of taking all of these commands into consideration, but you must also remember you don't want your OKE to behave too predictably, too robot-like, too logically, or else the opposing forces can sink you easily. And all I really know is tomorrow, by the next time I call, I'm going to try and get these things out into the real fake battlefield and not just into the fake real battlefield. Or you could do as the circuits do and just do nothing. The choice is yours. Either way, I have a feeling I'm going to miss another call from you. Sure as the sun's going to come up tomorrow, but we'll see. All right. Good night, Pippin. Bye. Friday, the 12th of May. At 12.06 p.m. Hey, David, I guess I did miss you after all. Who's to blame? Who's to blame? I'm going to just leave a short message, really. Uh, your sort of overview of the command list, I think, is really helpful, and I should probably assign myself the same job of just looking at each one and thinking about the implications for both simple and complex behaviors when you use them individually or together. And mostly just wanting to report in to say that I started the game, well, what I thought was for real, um, which is to say not just practice battles, but like I had a factory, I was producing uh, overkill engines slash Roomba version 3s and sending them out into the world to try and capture other bases. Um, it's not much more complicated than that, but I still had a bunch of trouble with things, notably uh, failing to actually produce any Roombas for quite a large amount of time from my factory, because you have to specify how many to make, and I was specifying zero. Clever me. Um, but the Roombas did really well. They were, they were surprisingly dominant, um, often, or almost always, in fact, defeated their opponents without any casualties. Uh, brag, brag, brag. Um, I suspect this just means that the opponent AI slash hardware is pretty bad um, in this early version of the campaign, which actually turns out to be a, a practice campaign. So it may be that they are very, very uh, basic, paper-thin opponents, paper tigers, um, paper Roombas. So, so my Roombas won. They, they, they defeated the, the opponents. They captured the bases, and that was the end of the campaign. Um, and one thing that comes of doing the campaign is you watch a lot of uh, fights in sequence. That's sort of one of the main things you're doing is just watching your Roombas uh, fighting. And that does help kind of analyze what's going on a little bit and did make me think of a couple of programming tasks for Roomba V4 
notably, my Roombas spend probably too much time shooting laser guns and boulders because there's an enemy behind the boulder. Be good not to do that. And they also spend way too much time shooting each other in the back uh, should one Roomba cross into the line of fire of another. Uh, it's kind of cool, right? Like, they just have no intelligence, so they will just happily shoot each other in the back and be shot in the back uh, because you didn't tell them not to. That's That's programming at its absolute basis you know you didn't tell me not to do this so it's going to happen you didn't tell me to do this it's not going to happen uh it's all on you it's not on the computer um so good luck on the battlefield yourself and i am off to europa for real uh to see how the rumbas do there bye saturday the 13th of may at 1:44 p.m hey pippin it's david i fear thee well in the battlefield and I've had many of the same thoughts you articulated but there's just always something <laughs> heartening or affirming about hearing your thoughts out of, out of somebody else um, let me see so I've done a couple of testing here I'm wondering about the level of intelligence you're talking about who's switching these mechs on and how are they getting there Probably not germane to our conversation, but basically just, I feel like I've been just sort of holed up in the library studying. Uh, now I'm testing out the testing uh, after I realized that the aforementioned Christmas tree lighting up out in the field, the brains, I didn't realize that <laughs> in, the, in the circuit, the signal was pulsing counterclockwise. I thought it could just go in any direction at any time because similar to the bots, no one told me otherwise but that little diagram is actually very helpful. And I assume all of this is uh, covered in the manual that we don't have that seems to be out of print. So um, a couple things I did, I tested out having all the Macs with the same exact brain as the auto-generated one. I tried a couple of different variables to see if the auto-generated one ever varies. It does not. It seems like it's just based on the type of uh, Roomba that you're having. Uh, and I was just curious how the same brain would do stacked up against seven or six of the same brain, um, which is a little bit like a round of stop hitting yourself uh, <laughs> at very formidable opponents on the battlefield. So uh, from there, then I switched the camera to Rome just to sort of see what the AI camera deemed important and the resulting feeling. Uh, I felt empty inside watching it because it made me think about how Video games are often just these empty spaces where we see in front of us really carefully zoomed uh, in areas, uh, which is just literally what's whatever in front of our face, which is deemed to be important um, or distracting. And the camera just haphazardly, fitfully ambled about, sometimes buzzing right by a mech and preferring instead to just zoom in on these word floor tiles. Again, I guess, because uh, no one told it to do otherwise. So then I built the first Roomba David model, Mark II, Mark I, no, David I. Uh, and it just kept jumping backwards, ducking, which was something I uh, told it to do, and I felt like I was letting it down. Um, but then I was letting down everyone, because I realized I never actually told the mech to go forward. So I was just sort of watching the other side of the battlefield, um, everyone else actually out there having fun, playing, <laughs> <laughs> etc. 
is my mech was just jumping to the absolute periphery of the battlefield behind it, waiting for a ride home from its parents, perhaps. So, but it really just sort of clicked to me, like, oh, okay, well, this is, I guess, really a game about robot neuroplasticity or designing the pathways in the mechanical mind for the cyber blood to just sort of get pumping. I didn't realize, like, um, the degree to which you're tipping dominoes to have a bunch of simultaneous behaviors. I guess you sort of, you're meant to compartmentalize or protect routines that run dependently, independently. So I built two, I'm still testing. The Carnage Heart is just a big brain problem, RTFM. I am still figuring it out, but I feel like I understand it. Whether I could do it, sure, but I feel like I would have to spend, you know, 50 years squirreling away free time to uh, really wrap my head fully around it and not just understand it, but put it into practice. Okay, bye. Sunday, the 14th of May at 3.31 a.m. Monday, the 15th of May at 11.27 a.m. Hey, good morning, David. Welcome to Monday. Uh, that was a lot of metaphors that you threw down. Blood flowing through cyber veins and children at the park and stop hitting yourself and dominoes falling. All of which were evocative and, you know, it's a good point about how important metaphors are with something like coding. Uh, at least while you're learning, because it's just one of the ways that you can try and connect to all of that abstraction, right? Like um, the idea of a, a variable as a box that you store a number in is easier to understand than, you know, it's a data structure in which you can place an integer or something like that. Um, on my end, I produced Roomba version 4 and deployed it in the non-practice uh, first campaign, where it is dominating the scene, I am proud to say. Um, and there's a couple of things about that. Uh, one of them is that Roomba 4 is the direct result of battlefield observation, um, you know, that kind of real-time watching of the battle that I guess is one of, you know, the big draw cards of this game is that that's meant to be exciting. Um, and, you know, I've complained about the debugging options um, or sort of analysis possibilities, but it's also true that in watching you know, past Roombas fight it out, I did develop a new behavior that would avoid friendly fire um, by dodging to the right if there's an enemy in front of you and a, an ally behind you. So that was quite nice, and it um, it showed a marked improvement on the Roomba <laughs> performance. Um, but the other thing that's happened since I started the non-practice version of the game is, whoa, market realities. Uh, you do not have much money. Giant attack Roombas cost a lot. Uh, and so basically I ran out of money after producing a single unit, pretty much. Um, and then on top of that, you're having to, you know, manage individual factory production lines, figuring out the useful ways to deploy your Roombas, um, either attacking or defending or patrolling, uh, doing the actual hardware and software design yourself, and on and on and on, right? Um, and I, I actually sort of wonder if it's not a little like being an independent game developer, right? Being an indie. You have to be good at everything. You have to be able to make the thing. You have to market the thing. You have to deploy the thing into the market battlefield. Uh, you have to budget the thing. You have to ask for money for the thing and on and on and on, right? Uh, and it's, it's hell. Uh, and I wonder, is it also like being 
a writer and oral historian, perhaps, metaphor-wise. Bye-bye. Monday, the 15th of May, at 7.28 p.m. Message for Pippin, David. I feel like you're setting me up for stepping into another metaphor trap, so... Or is this all like a simile? I'm not gonna... I'm not gonna... I'm not gonna step into it. I think more of what we're saying is just Carnage Heart. It is like anything we can imagine... Because it seems no matter what a video game is, we're always willing, able to project ourselves into it without really noticing. But the thing is, we're projecting ourselves into it. And what comes to mind more is how often we discuss games as managerial work, calculating guesswork, trying to anticipate what is ahead. But in Carnage Heart, what I've seen of it so far... Remember, I haven't even stepped onto the battlefield yet. I'm really deep, deep in theoretical R&D, my bad. Maybe I'll finally step onto the battlefield as this ends. But I'm just saying, like, everything I've seen in Carnage Heart, including poking around at these menus you're talking about, it feels very training-wheely here. Like, it makes me think more of being a college student than anything else, but maybe that's just because I've been in the library so long. Uh, Other thought is, like, for the simulation to be complete, that uh, a phrase that came to mind is, uh, you know, if you want peace, prepare for war. And I'm sure that is not part of Carnage Heart. I don't know if that's even really part of computational thinking. Um, All I know is just, like, you know, the freshman 15, a ton of steel, in these Macs is a lot of responsibility. Plus you have a lot of admin, but uh, I've noticed that uh, everyone's happy to do deals with you. No one ever questions your decisions. That's sort of all on you. Like Carnage Heart, <laughs> it is about uh, all this iteration and, and, and field work and observation, but in a way it's about how lonely it is at the top and how you have to live with the consequences uh, of your decisions, even if it means you can't send off a bunch of bots to their death. But I don't know. It's all theoretical for me. Bye. Monday, the 15th of May, at 9.56 p.m. Hey, David. Uh, I spent a whole bunch of time um, playing, kind of in air quotes, uh, kind of chat this evening and really I was just caught up in this frenzy of yeah as you said responsibility and admin Um, all too true all of my time seemed to be spent just running production lines and making sure that factories were producing ammunition at an acceptable rate overrunning my budget again um, deploying units to capture strategic objectives that would then get recaptured by the opponent, and it was just kind of all too realistic, and I found myself wishing, um, I guess just that the game had a more confident focus on its most interesting element, which is, I think, clearly maybe specking out the robot, but most of all, programming its brain. Um, And you do get to do that, and I do find that a really interesting task. 
and it is folded into the larger gameplay, right? Like you, you go onto the battlefield and you see the opponent has tanks that lay mines, for example, and you could think about, well, how am I going to program my robots to, to kind of respond to that, to that situation in the best way? Um, but I really wish, yeah, that maybe all of the production stuff was automated and I was just like the guy in the lab and they're like, Sergeant Pippin, we need code to deal with, <laughs> I don't know, lasers, please, you're our only hope. And then that would actually feel kind of intense and exciting because I'd have a well-defined role. I wouldn't be Colonel Everything, um, who tells the factories what to do, tells the units what to do, builds mechs negotiates intergalactic uh, space warfare contracts and does the programming as well in his spare time. Um, I'm not complaining. Like, I, I still enjoy kind of watching the fruits of my labors. I'm still just deploying uh, Roomba 4 on everybody. And Roomba 4 is, um, you know, a pretty class act, can generally definitely outpunch its weight. Um, and I'm proud of that, and I like watching it do the things that I told it do. I'd say my heartstrings are less tugged than I kind of thought when I watched the mission briefing. I kind of thought I'd feel a little bit more kind of melancholy about my units getting destroyed. But I think because of this big production thing, you kind of feel like, you know, they're just machines. You're producing more. It doesn't really matter if they get hurt. Um, they're not going to cry um, in the end. Uh, yeah, so heartstrings intact, but... Yeah, just really wish I was a nerdy guy in a basement writing robot software for the government. Night. Tuesday, the 16th of May, at 10.34 a.m. Hey, Pippin, it's David. You know that. I think you know my voice. <laughs> By now, I would hope. Still, manners matter, sir. So, we're running out of tape. Um, CH, I'll breathe to make it go quicker. There's just so much minutia with Carnage Heart. Uh, I've discovered there's some quality of life shortcuts on the controller that make getting around the grid a bit better. And now I am, ironically, no kidding, as this draws to a close, getting ready to take this thing out of the garage. And I don't think it's been a war games thing of the only way to win is not to play for some reason, I just really drilled down into reading the fucking manual and the documentation and studying and playing around and building very small, incomplete brains and just delighting. It's alive! But part of me wonders about what's ahead if it's just when you have a good schematic in place, you probably by then pretty much understand how it works and can adapt. And then I feel like, isn't the game likely, largely smooth sailing from there. I mean, I figure, like, eventually you're probably just going to be outmatched no matter what you can code, no matter what you do, by the game being a game and beating you down. Uh, but really, it's just beaten into me this awareness that Carnage Heart is more about the importance of admin <laughs> and the folly of technical debt and technical deficits. Uh, I did want to mention, I found... Um, According to Wikipedia, which knows everything, uh, Electronic Gaming Monthly uh, apparently never reviewed the game, but in 1998, <clears throat> in their Video Game Buyer's Guide, they named Carnage Heart a game you need a PhD to play. So I was just wondering, Mr. Computer Scientist, sir, you have a PhD. Did it come in handy? Remember, I just have a bachelor's, so please use uh, five-cent words.
Nah, use use penny words, please. Loony words, sorry. Forgot. Tuesday, the 16th of May, at 11.08 a.m. Tuesday, the 16th of May, at 11.37 a.m. Hey, David. Yup, time's up. My PhD didn't really help, but my honors degree in computer science uh, kind of did, uh, presumably in terms of just comfort levels with, you know, connecting desired behaviors like dodging missiles and not walking into poles uh, with underlying implementation details, a.k.a. computational thinking. Um, my big takeaway, though, probably remains the entanglement of that coding task with the larger context of, um, you know, economics, production schedules, budget demands of higher-ups, the realities of the battlefield, the vagaries of the coding environment, uh, the UI, and on and on, um, just how those things are all fully connected. Uh, but my biggest regret is probably that I never followed my desire to create Carnage Footloose, uh, where the robots would be programmed to dance instead of fight, ignoring the oppressive regime determined to step on their freedoms. Um, you know, this is our time to dance. It's our way of celebrating life. It's the way it was in the beginning. It's the way it's always been. Tuesday, the 16th of May, at 12.47pm. I feel like I've only scratched the surface with Carnage Heart, but boy, how good I got at scratching the top layer. Which is to say, there's a learning curve here, as there is in all games, but the obstacles, they're considerable. And I think it's more about making you work in the realm of finesse, like you're referencing to, which I think is to say, I guess more than other coding games, Carnage Heart just it believes in you. It suggests coding is the domain of the generalist or, you know, coding is as easy as uh, picking up a paintbrush. Or in other words, if you have a heart, then you can carnage heart. End of messages. Thank you for calling GameFin. For more information, please hang up and dial GameFin.life. Goodbye.